It's hard upon the mothers. They're ones who have brought these fine boys up to their childhood and made brave men of them. I want to send a mother's prayers to all of the boys tonight. We here at home are proud of you boys, and we hope that God will bless and protect you through this fearful war. You're listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast, and I'm your host, Tatiana Fallon. This podcast is run by the organization Stories Behind the Stars. We have the goal of writing a story for every service American service member killed during World War II. That's over 420,000. We are accomplishing this goal through amazing volunteers who you will hear in this podcast as they research and write these stories. If you're at all interested in becoming a volunteer and researching and writing these stories, please check us out at storiesbehindthestars.org. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope you enjoy this amazing content that we're finding. The audio heard at the beginning of this podcast is actually a radio recording that we talk about in this podcast. This is part two of my interview with Mark Hudson, author of So Costly a Sacrifice, really well-written book, amazing story. Wow, so they were they had they had their boys were in both main theaters, you know, like Yeah, and, you know, and, and that's one of the, you know, that's one of the points that I make, you know, when when we think about the Sullivans, right? They when they entered service, you know, they're, you know, they they wanted to serve together. Um they wanted to serve on the same same ship. Um and, you know, when they were in the naval battle of Guadalcanal, um bad things can happen. And it certainly did. But you know, the, you know, one of the, you know, remarkable, one of the remarkable differences between the Sullivans and the Borstroms is the fact that each Borstrom boy was killed in a completely different theater war. One in Italy, one in Guadalcanal, one in France, and one in England. So... Yeah, that is remarkable. It also just kind of like really does hit home the the worldwide nature of the war. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think when I was first like learning about World War II and, and out of high school and I was like, oh, you know, it, it just in my head, it's like, oh, it happened in Germany. Right. And then maybe Japan, sure. like, but yes. I didn't really like, no, this was like, you know, Africa and like remote islands in the Pacific and <laughs> you know, yeah. and like all over Europe, and it wasn't just like one country. And I think that it just so, in, you know, shows to you the magnitude of the war that one family could have so much bad luck, obviously, and experience that in all these different, you know, major theaters of the war. It's yeah. just a phenomenally, you know tragic and then also just like shows you really how the sure. magnitude of the war really was wow. you know and the, and the you know thing of it's you know this family just kept giving um you know we you know not only did they give their four boys um they you know they also um in in uh, uh was i believe it was november of 44 they had the sixth war bond drive and, um, you know, they had just gotten the notice. They had just got the telegram uh, at this time of, 
um, the death of their of their fourth boy. And it was just it was just a couple weeks later that um, they had the they had the uh, what was called the American Pilgrimage, and it was uh, essentially it was a radio program. Um, and what they did is they had you know Hollywood actors and they you know uh, radio um, personalities. They went to essentially different homes um, of different uh, you know where they had. Um, uh, families that had lost loved ones, and one of the, one of the families that, is, that actually is that that they talked to and interviewed was the Zamperini family, um, and uh, you know they asked you know the Borgstroms if they would participate, um, and uh, and and they did, um, you know, and again it's just you know you think about this, this is just two weeks after they lost uh, lost their fourth son, they're still grieving, but yet they're so willing to help the country out. Uh, to help raise money to keep, uh, you know, to keep fighting the war. So they just, you know, they just, uh, they just gave so much in every way. Well, I think our readers, our listeners should definitely check out the book um, because it's a phenomenal read. It's very well written, but I want to ask you a question and a couple questions before we finish up. And I always like, uh, you know, asking people these questions, but do you feel like doing this project has changed you or changed your perspective in any way? Um, it, I don't, I don't know that change would be a, a word, but um, I, I do want to say that it's one of the proudest things that I've ever done in my life. Um, and, and I say that because one of the things when I, made that promise to the Borgstrom family about writing this book. Um, the main goal was obviously to, to make, you know, to, to bring their story to life. Um, but one of the driving factors for me was that I had to do, I had to do right by this family. Now, mind you, I knew nothing of this family. They knew nothing of me. So just imagine a stranger from Illinois showing, showing up at your doorstep in, in, in Utah and saying, you know what, I'm going to promise to write a story about your family. And, uh, and, uh, you know, so, but one of the things that, that, that absolutely drove me was again was whatever how at the end of the day when the book was published it had to be um accepted by the family and if i if i didn't if it was not accepted by the family regardless of any other of the readers who've read the book and thought that it was thought thought that it was uh you know that that i had done a good job it, i would have considered myself a failure um and so one of the proudest things was one, yes, that we, you know, we finally, after all these years, we finally got the story of this, of this family's enormous sacrifice out. Uh, but two, um, it's uh, the fact that they so that they um, really accepted uh, the, um, the writing uh, and the book uh, and that they were proud of it. Um, just really, really, um, made an impact on my life. Well, I think you took, you know, it's very well researched and very well written. So I think you, you did do justice to that story very, very well. So thank you. Thank you. 
And the last question I, I want to ask you is, what advice would you have to somebody thinking about researching World War II fallen, um, if any? Don't hesitate. I say don't hesitate. It's, it's you know, we, you know, we all say we, we, you know, we cannot let history just fall into, you know, oblivion. We have to, in, in, or into the abyss. You know, we, you know, um, there's so many unbelievable and uncovered stories out there um, that they're just waiting for someone to tap into. And uh, as, as a first time writer, I can say that um, it is a major commitment. Um, you will most likely feel like you want to quit a thousand times, um, but you just, you, you know, we owe it to our veterans. We owe it to our, to the families, um, to make sure that as many of these stories that we can bring about, um, that's something that we need to do in their honor. And I would encourage anybody that had any thought of doing it to don't wait. Um, every day we know every day, you know, veterans from every war and especially World War II, you know, pass. And, uh, you know, if there's, if, if the opportunity presents itself for you to talk to a World War II veteran or any veteran, um, to get, if they're willing and willing to share their story, um, don't hesitate, uh, to get yourself involved with it. Yeah, I really love that. You know, I'm, I, uh, there's so much to be learned from, from, from these stories that I feel like even if, you know, you, you've spent all this time researching and writing and it doesn't, you know, let's say the book doesn't get read by millions of people, but it still gets read by thousands of people yes. or it's, it's, it's a story that once it's told, there's an opportunity to hit the one person that needs to hear it. And that one person who needs that in their life. And, and that's the thing that has really been super motivating for me. And I've said this before, but the, the story of the one is so powerful when we, we take the time to tell it, you know, yes. and obviously the story of these four brothers, but one family, uh, it's so powerful because like, I feel like as we give in this world of, ultra connectivity and and this like world of everybody wanting to be instagram famous or or like or just sure. like go viral you know or whatever sure. we forget about the importance of like being really awesome in your community with a you know 15 neighbors around you and we yes. forget about being really really grounded with the 10 family members that you have you yes. know and and then we, we try to like impress everyone else or be there for this ethereal idea when we can read stories about the Borgstroms and be like, no, look, this is what made them get through the hardest things and they would ever experience was their community, their faith, their family, their, these things that we've had for, you know, hundreds of years in the world as humanity. But when now it's like with technology, we kind of like, Oh, we don't need this. I, I can get, you know, buy with my chat room friends, you know, which sure, is maybe, yeah. but it's so yeah. powerful to be, realize like what got this family through this horrific thing really was that their community and their family and, and what helped them get through that. And it really does. It really is important for us to, focus on these influences we do have you know areas we do have influence which is you know being really kind to our siblings or 
you know, <laughs> like yeah, treating your yeah. mother and father with respect. And, and I, yeah. so I, I think that the story is super powerful and you did a wonderful job telling it. So thank you. Do you want to say anything else to our, our listeners? Where can they find the book and, and how could they access it or? Yeah, sure. It's uh, so it is available on Amazon. Uh, and again, the title is so costly a sacrifice. Um, but you can also you can also get the book on on uh, on my website, which is, uh, again, uh, service flag tradition dot com. Um, and, and you will find on the website, not only is it, uh, not only is the, the book available on the website, but I would encourage, um, I would cur- encourage everyone to take, uh, to take just, just take five minutes in, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, check out the website. Uh, it's totally dedicated to the service flag. Um, there's, uh, there's stories about, Many some of the service flags that we actually have in our collection. Um, I have sir, I have a service flag that was signed by President Woodrow Wilson from a mother who had five sons serving World War One. Um, I have a service flag that's 18 feet high by 12 feet wide that has thousands of stars on it. That's from a community in Illinois. Um, and so there's several stories about that. I work with roughly 50 universities and their archives departments um, to to dig up. Uh, some of the original photographs of the service flags that they had on their campuses during both World War One and World War Two, um, and then just a just a, uh, a a large collection of original photographs with mothers and towns, uh, uh, churches that have the service uh, flag displayed. Um, so there's just a wealth of information on the website. So. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. Just a follow up question then. When did we stop giving service flags? I mean, oh, we still do. Yeah, we, we absolutely still do. Still, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we and as, you know, as part of the legion that I belong to, I, I run the service flag uh, program. So, yeah, so uh, we still um, over the last, you know, have over the last uh, several years uh, uh, have uh, presented families with uh, both blue and uh, and gold star service flags. Yes. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, I I my brother's a veteran of the air force and my brother-in-law's a veteran of the army well he's mm. actually still in the army um guard. Sure. but um i just i've never seen them have a service flag so i was like oh i wonder yeah, it's they... it's yeah it's a it's a you know i would say it's uh you know it's a tradition you know uh you know for, it began in world war one and, and in during world war two it was the second most popular flag next to the american flag yeah. um and occasionally if you look you know I mean, most of you just drive through, you know, you drive through towns and cities and neighborhoods. And uh, but once in a while um, in the town that uh, one of the towns that we often visit, Cedarburg, Wisconsin, um, there's uh, there's uh, uh, there's uh, one house that has a Gold Star service flag uh, hanging in the window. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, actually there was a family that lived like not super close to us growing up, but um mm-hmm. I I was probably like 15 and I saw I think my first gold star in a window and I was I went to my dad I'm like why is there a gold star in that window it makes no sense and and mm-hmm. I think I guess it would have been one of the gulf conflicts yeah um but yeah so I mean I, I I knew we still had like gold stars but I had I had not seen a service flag in a window for a while but I'm also <laughs> and not I don't drive around exactly <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're yeah 
<laughs> you're driving through neighborhoods and looking at yeah. So that's good For to sure. know we we've continued that tradition. That's that's really awesome. And yes. the saddest part is that my uncle's gold star, my my grandma got rid of it because she's like, Well, who's gonna want this? And I was like, Oh my gosh. She got she got an extra handful of that pragmatic uh, you know pragmatic attitude of like the great depression mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure. she was like insanely pragmatic like she <laughs> so. you, you know it's it's funny you should say that because you know we've done we have done uh several events i mean i, I we've and we do this all on our at our own on our own dime uh we do not charge more need to do it uh and again if you just if you go to the website um you can see the we did an event in mequon wisconsin you can just get a, just a taste of of uh, of the display and what you see in that picture is probably oh it's just half of what we have um but uh you know it's just it's just it's like the book it was just a, to me it was just some like a calling to feel the need to you know to educate people on this and to share stories about our veterans and we've done you know we've done events in at the VA in Manhattan, New York. We've done uh, we've done an uh, event in, in, in Branson, Missouri during uh, Veterans Week down there, Veterans Day week down there. Um, we also did an event at the Currie uh, Military Museum down in Tacoa, and that's where you know that's where the uh, the 101st, the guys you know in the Band of Brothers, that's where they trained. Uh, so every year they have uh, they have uh, Currie Week, Currie Days, I should say, and. Um, you know, so we did an event down there, and there I had the privilege of meeting, uh, you know, three members uh, of you know Easy Company from the from the Band of Brothers, uh, Al Mapri being one of them, and uh, and uh, was able to had the privilege of of getting to know uh, Al and, and his daughter Virginia uh, from that. So it's just amazing, you know, the people that you meet and the stories that you hear. Uh, but one of the things that you know I, that has kind of caught me off guard a little bit is. I've had I've had um, people come up and ask me if I if I wanted if I wanted their their grandfather's or father's uniforms their you know patches you know and and uh, from the from their military service and uh, I, I I will not accept it um, and and I often tell them you know please please do not sell it. Um, but just keep it because you know the older you know the older that you know that they get. Um, I think the more that they're going to be able, you know, at some point, I think they'll be able to connect with it. But um, yeah, so. I'm interrupting the podcast right now to make a plug for our Arlington project. We're in the middle of it right now. We're hoping to get these done by the 4th of July. And there's so many amazing stories here to be found. So if you are new to the to the project, please visit storiesbehindthestars.org and click the volunteer button. If you've already been a volunteer and you've just kind of gotten busy, consider giving a little bit more of your time and contacting us to get some names to start doing research for these Arlington stories. They're quite phenomenal and um, just be part of a really amazing national project. Um, And then also, if you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing so that when we put out new episodes, you can be notified and you can listen to these really awesome stories as we're finding them. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with that. Like it's, you might not see the value, but there's going to, there's bound to be someone in your family that is, you know, get on a family. Yeah. At some point get Mm -hmm. on. The one thing I really love though, about have you, have you, are you familiar with the website family search? No. Um, 
it's a really awesome website where you can go in and it's all free and you can put in your family and your family history. It's like, it's like ancestry, but it's okay. more for keeping your family like memories. And okay. so you can go in and upload photos and documents and pictures and of your family. Okay. And it's, it's a great way. Cause I, you know, like, we thankfully my grandmother was really big into family history and so she has gone in and like filled out so much of our family tree but I just it's so fascinating to get on family search and and I'll go in there and and I'll just do some searches like oh let's see this person looks interesting and like you can see like journal entries that people have found and uploaded and put in there you can see photos of like their farmhouse or like all these cool things and then I'll like share that with my kids and mm-hmm. it's super cool for them to 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 make that connection and and they feel like they're part of a big family tradition right so I think you know even if 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 people are like oh I don't know if I want to keep it be like well take a photo of it and put it on family search so your family can have some kind of memory of it because absolutely you know it's 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 really cool to find those things when people do take the time to put them on to put them on family search yeah and and speaking of that and i don't want to get too long-winded here because i can uh especially when we talk about the borgson family and and uh but you know you know one of the you know you think about things you you know think just things being lost and um you know, during my five years of research, you know, a couple things that, that, um, that, that I was just, you know, I, I just, it just makes you feel, you know, very, very proud. Um, but it was, um, you know, I, I, one of the things that the family, um, had, uh, no longer have, but, but it, obviously the mother and father, it was president Roosevelt actually wrote the family a letter and, uh, None of the family members knew what happened to it. And uh, I went to, on part of my research, I went to uh, FDR's uh, presidential library in Hyde Park, New York. And it just happened that there was a a very small folder uh, with very few documents in his library of of, uh, the Borgstrom's. And uh, so when, uh, so when I, when I got the folder, I'm sitting down at the desk at the, at the, at the, uh, in their research uh, area. And I opened up this folder and, and there was, uh, there was, you know, the original letter, uh, that Roosevelt had sent to, well, you know, that he had sent, uh, that he had sent to the Borstroms. Um, and so, you know, now, you know, that was something that I was able to give to the family, um, you know, which I thought was just, you know, you know, very sentimental. And, uh, you know, one other thing, if, if I may say was, you know, I spoke with that, that radio program called the American Pilgrimage. <clears throat> and uh, in my research, there was a, just a little note in one of the newspapers um, about the war bond drive. And so uh, I started, uh, I started to research, you know, the American Pilgrimage, you know, how, you know, does this, is there some file, audio file that still exists? Well, so happens, I, I really stumbled upon this gentleman out in California who essentially has a mass collection, a massive collection of, uh, of uh, old uh, radio shows. And so I sent him a request and told him I was looking for and, and gave him kind of the time frame and and uh, in the name of the program. And lo and behold, he had he had an audio file and he sent it to me. And uh, so as I, I sit down to, to play this audio file, um, I believe it's the fourth story in. 
it was the uh, it was uh, it was the the Borgstrom family. Now imagine this: sending you know, I got the audio file. I sent it out to uh, members of the Borgstrom family. For some, it was the very first time that they ever heard Gunda and Albin. Uh, and certainly Boyd speak, you know, you know, it was their opportunity, you know, to hear him for the first time. So, you know, it's just, you know, you talk about research and how you can impact someone's life. And I mean, just, just those two things alone, you know, um, really, really made an impact with them. So you just never know what's out there. Wow. That's so cool. Is, is that a file that you could share with me and maybe I could take absolutely. the audio and we could put it, put it in here and have yes, our absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you know, and, 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 and funny enough, well, not, you know, that the, I think the third story was about the Zamperini family. You know, they were, they were with the, you know, they were interviewing the Zamperini family in their home. And at the time they had just got word that he was a prisoner of war. So, yeah. Most people should be familiar if they're any, you know, interested in World War II about the Zamperina family. Yes, they're pretty yes. famous. And I mean, obviously for multiple reasons, but, you know, they just made that movie um, mm -hmm. Unbreakable or Unbroken. Yes. I remember. Yeah, Unbroken, I so, believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we watched that. That was a phenomenal movie. So maybe this is just the ball rolling and we'll see a Borgstrom <laughs> family movie um, in the future. I yeah, yeah. I, always, I, I often get, you know, question. They say, you know, oh, yeah, that's uh, didn't they make Saver Private well, Private Ryan when they make the movie? And anything that you read pretty much online, um, they being, I, I believe, you know, like the producers and, and the people, you know, with 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 the movie, they say it was based on the Nyland brothers uh, from Tanawan in New York. And uh, and uh, <clears throat> I, I mean, I can't, you know, I, I have no uh, facts about, uh, you know, whether or not what, you know, what that movie was loose, what family was loosely based off. I don't know what they say, but I can tell you after five years of research, um, to me uh, and to many, it, it really is more reflective of the, the story of the Borgstrom family than, than any other family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, people, readers will have to get the book, though, because, you know, the process of getting Boyd home, I was just, I was so angry that that was, like, even had to be, like, had to happen. I mean, like, yes. so, yeah, people will have to get the book and read it if they want to know about yeah. that process. But, um, yeah, that was a, definitely a frustration of mine. <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, and the story of Boyd after the war is, is, uh, is, uh, it's uh it's remarkable it's um uh i think there's a good lesson in it um and uh it will break your heart and i'll leave it at that yeah get the book and read it so <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can get the whole story well i appreciate you taking an hour of your time with us today and i know that um the weird work is, was well done and will be greatly appreciated among our listeners. And um, we appreciate all of our volunteers who are working on our, our stories here. They, they all do phenomenal jobs and um, we're so grateful for the, the amount of time given and, and so grateful for your willingness to come on the podcast and share this awesome story with us. Absolutely. And, 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 and a heartfelt thankful to you for what you do. Um, 
you know, it's, uh, you guys have an unbelievable mission and, uh, and everyone owes you a, a big thanks for all that you guys are doing and all the time and, and resources that you, that you, uh, commit to this. And, uh, I, I, um, personally thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast included following my remarks is the actual audio of the radio program that the Borgstrom family were a part of. And you can listen to that. It's really kind of cool to just hear their story from their own mouths. Um, great, huge shout out to Mark Hudson for getting that for me. Also in the show notes is a link to his book. Definitely check it out. And um, check out storiesbehindthestars.org to volunteer and start doing research like this and finding these really impactful, powerful stories. of hills from Promontory Point on the north shore of Great Salt Lake is a quiet little valley, almost as if for protection from a towering giant that nestles low against the rugged slopes of the Wasatch Mountains. Going down the winding road to the Borgstrom Farm is Jean Herschel. Twenty acres of this valley belonged to Alvin Bergstrom and his boys. Before the war broke out, Leroy, Clyde, the twins, Rulon and Roland, and Boyd were familiar figures in and around Thatcher, Utah. Nearly every headgate in the irrigation system in this valley was set by these boys of Alvin Bergstrom's. I saw one this afternoon, and there, etched by a boy's finger in the wet cement were the initials L.B., Leroy Bergstrom, and C.B., Clyde Bergstrom. Here in this little dining room of a typical American farmhouse sit Father Alvin Bergstrom and his wife Gunda, their three married daughters, and two boys, Elton, 15, and Boyd, who has just been given an honorable discharge from the United States Marine Corps. Boyd, Tell me about your four gallant brothers. Leroy was the oldest, Mr. Herzog. He joined the army and was serving in the Italian sector when he was killed. He is buried in Italy. Clyde was next. He joined the Marines and was sent to the Pacific. He gave his life on a beachhead at Guadalcanal. And the twins, Roland and Roland? When D-Day came, they were over in Europe. Roland was flying a bomber, and during one of his bombing missions, his plane was badly shot at. When they landed back in England, Rome was dead. They laid him away in England. That was in August of this year. In September, Mom and Dad got word that the last of my brothers in combat zones were missing. I can then imagine the anxious hours you all must have spent after that report. Yes, then on November 6th, Major Astley drove up in his car to tell the folks that Ruben too, had given his life. Killed in action in an attack at Ladrith, France, August the 25th. And Boyd, you were in the Marine Corps. I joined up in 1940. Overseas duty with the Marine was at Johnson Island in the South Pacific. Then I was brought back to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. It was from this camp that I was given my honorable discharge. 
to come home and help mother and dad. Mr. Bergstrand, you were overjoyed to have Boyd come home, weren't you? Yes, Mr. Herschel. Mrs. Bergstrand and I had hoped that the authorities would let Boyd come back to us. And believe me, he is a mighty fine boy. So were his brothers, good boys. Good. Just like all other American boys who are unselfishly giving everything they have to end this terrible war. It's hardest on the mothers. They're ones who have brought these fine boys up to their childhood and made brave men of them. I want to send a mother's prayers to all of the boys tonight. We here at home are proud of you boys, and we hope that God will bless and protect you through this fearful war. Mother has spoken the thing that's in the hearts of us all. I believe the gift Mrs. Barton and I have cherished most of all is this framed copy of Abraham Lincoln's letter to Mrs. Bixby of Massachusetts, who gave five of his sons in another war. Yes, President Lincoln's immortal words find open hearts in this humble little farmhouse in Utah. Well might we, with him, say again. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any words of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering to you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. This November night on the earth of five continents, the waters of every quadrant, the reaches of all the skies, our nation is marching on an American pilgrimage, a journey into freedom. United States war bonds will speed that journey. You have been listening to American Pilgrimage, a special broadcast presented by the Columbia Broadcasting System for the United States Treasury Department in the interest of the 6th Victory War Loan Drive, starring Victor Jory and featuring the CBS personalities Cecil B. DeMille, Gene Herschel, Milton Bacon, Jim Crocker, and Bert Lytell, making a journey to the homes of Americans who have gone out to fight for freedom. The combined staff of the Columbia Network contributed to the program, which was written by Robert Heller, with an original score composed and conducted by Alexander Semler. American Pilgrimage was produced and directed by Robert Louis Cheon and Lieutenant Howard G. Barnes, United States Naval Reserve. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>